You know, every now and then, Facebook just kind of points me to the most random and entertaining thing. And I wanted to share something with you that came across my feed about a week ago. And it was entitled, Kids Crying for No Reason Whatsoever. So as you can imagine, it's pictures that parents have sent in with these great captions, things like this. I asked her to stop putting her hand in the toilet. Or maybe like this. His cookie broke when he bit it. Or a classic. Because there was a piece of fuzz on his leg. Or how about this for a dramatic moment? He wants me to reattach the nails I just clipped off his feet. Or what mother wouldn't love this? I won't let him eat trash. But this has got to be my favorite. Look at this little guy crying. He wants to get on the bus. The bus is on the TV. (laughs) Tears for no reason. Tears that come quickly and go quickly. Tears that are natural whenever, whatever, wherever. No concern about others and what they might think. You've got to love children and their tears. But, you know, tears can surprise us, as, surprise us as adults as well. For instance, until I married Al, I didn't realize that grown-up, strong, mature people would cry when their baseball team lost a game. And when Al and I watch a Hallmark movie, I grab a box of Kleenex. And he's scratching his head saying, Stacy, you know this is going to have a happy ending. It's Hallmark, for goodness sakes. But if we're honest, there are tears that we shy away from. Tears that are so profound and so real, so silent and painful that we really don't want to speak of them. We don't want to focus on them. We don't deal with them very well. And this picture kind of speaks it to me. I'm talking about tears of sorrow and tears of grief. This statue and images like it were really popular in Europe in the 19th century. It's sometimes called the weeping angel or the angel of sorrow. And here in America, in some of our very oldest cemeteries, you'll find her. This in historic Greenwood Cemetery in the Bronx, in New York. Here she is in Medway Cemetery in New Orleans. I want you to hold this image in your imagination with me for a while this morning. Because today, as Emily said, is All Saints Sunday. And on this day, we approach this table And we remember loved ones who we've lost to death. And this image of tears, silent, eternal tears, tears of deep sorrow beyond comfort. This is exactly the image that scripture uses to proclaim an overcoming God. Before we turn to scripture, will you pray with me? Gracious God, could it be? Could it be that your power moves into even the deepest sorrow, the most personal and silent grief? 
Speak to us once more of the mystery of life and death and open our hearts to hear your word. Amen. Hear these words of the prophet Isaiah, words that resonate with the promise of Revelation 21 that you heard just a few minutes ago. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. And the disgrace of his people he will take away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said on that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the 8th century before Christ, ancient times, when the nation of Israel covers a large swath of the Middle East. It's being ruled by two kings, one in the north and one in the south. And the prophet Isaiah records the horrors of that time as the Assyrian Empire invades and kills, destroys, and dominates. The once independent and proud Israel is decimated. This is no small event. It's utter devastation. The sorrow, the shock, the grief, it's almost unbearable. Think 9-11, Pearl Harbor, and Gettysburg all put together and you'll begin to understand. And then God speaks into that moment of sorrow and grief. That moment, God's overcoming power is announced. I will destroy the shroud, the funeral sheet that's covering the world, says God. I will swallow up death, says God. I will wipe away the tears, the silent, sorrowful tears from all faces, says God. Fast forward about a thousand years, a man named John of Patmos finds himself and his people in a very similar place of sorrow and grief. It's a time of darkness. The infant church is struggling under the oppression of Rome. And in this time of uncertainty, believers in this little church are dying. They're dying in big numbers. And the gospel message comes dangerously close to being defeated by loss And by fear. And that's when John catches a glimpse of glory. The book of Revelation. It's a moment when God's overcoming power is announced once again. And John wrote it down. He wrote it down for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He wrote it down for you and for me. I glimpse a new heaven and a new earth, he said. I see death defeated. I see God wiping away our tears and coming close, so close to us. And all things, even our deepest sorrows, being made new by the overcoming power of God. This morning, as you walked into worship, you did have the opportunity to take a white rose as a physical reminder of the people that you have loved and lost to death. And friends, I want to suggest that whether that death was recent or decades ago, it was a moment. 
It was a moment when the world stopped for a time, when busyness fell away and the ultimate things, the important things, became very clear and very pressing. And whether you cried or not, your deep sorrow and grief cried out for an overcoming God. A God who understands loss, confusion, sorrow, unfinished business, regrets. In short, a God who can take our grief and then transform our grief, overcome our grief to make a new path, a new way, a new life where death has done its thing. Friends, today is All Saints Sunday, and for most of the Christian world, this Sunday is one of two, two Sundays a year, when we collectively pause for a moment to consider those things that the world doesn't like to think about, silent tears of sorrow. We pause to consider the reality, the pain, the separation, the grief of this life. You know what the other Sunday is? It's Easter. But on Easter, somehow the brass and the lilies and the choir and the crowds and the clothes, the alleluias and the beautiful familiar gospel story, they give us and they give the world a glimpse of the power of an overcoming God. A brief glimpse of resurrection and hope, right? We come to Easter asking, is God bigger than our sorrow? And we leave shouting, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Then, (laughs) six months later, every year, a smaller crowd (laughs) gathers on this day, on All Saints Sunday. But it's the same question, my friends, that's hanging in the air. Where is God in our sorrow? Except this time, the question isn't general is it? It's personal, and it's very specific. It's as specific as the names of our beloved church members that we're going to read aloud during communion at this table, the church members who have died in the last 12 months. And it's as personal as the grief you carry in your heart represented by that white rose. Specific resurrection for those we love, personal hope, for our lives and the lives of those who've gone before us. And what about our silent, sorrowful tears? That's the question for All Saints Sunday. Once, very early in my ministry, when I was a very young pastor and a very young wife, I was called to the ER where an older couple were huddled in the waiting room, waiting on news of their adult son. He had suffered a terrible accident, and the prognosis was not good. And so I sat there with that couple and prayed with them and, to be honest, cried with them. And we waited to hear from the doctor. This was the olden days when you would sit in the waiting room and they would call you on the loudspeaker when it was time to go speak to the doctor and we waited for hours and then suddenly their name was called and the three of us just kind of jumped up and and I said I'll I'll be here I'll be here when you get back I'll I'll wait here for you and it was time to move but the the mother the wife she just froze she froze 
And she turned to her husband and looked up at him and said, but what if? And there were no more words. And there they were in this busy waiting room just staring into each other's eyes and these huge tears began to well up in her silent, silent tears. And I'll never forget what happened next because this man who I knew quite well, he was a hardworking man, had huge calloused hands. He took his wife's face in his hands and with those big calloused thumbs, he began to try and wipe away her tears, which actually just made them spread all over her face. It was a clumsy and messy, beautiful, holy moment as they stood there looking at each other. His eyes never left hers as he spread those tears around her face. It was as if he was receiving her tears to give himself and her courage for what was coming next. See, look, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. God will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. That was John's vision. Then the Lord God will wipe every tear from all faces. God's word to the prophet Isaiah. And friends, here is the message for this tender day. We worship an overcoming God. A God who has the power to receive our sorrow, our grief, our silent tears, wiping them away, not just to comfort us, though God finds many ways to comfort us, but receiving our tears to also make us new, to transform us, to mold us, to heal us, and to push us on our way into abundant life. That young man in the hospital that night, I have to tell you, he miraculously recovered. It was joyful. But let me also tell you that those that grieve, they do find joy and love and laughter again. They do. And silent tears of sorrow, I have seen them again and again pave the way for new life. That's why we gather at this table. That's what we mean when we talk about the church triumphant, the great cloud of witnesses believed and have gone on because their silent tears of sorrow have been transformed. So can ours. At this table, my friends, we catch a glimpse of the one who blazed the trail before us, the one who wept tears of sorrow, entered death, and then conquered it. Thanks be to God for overcoming here we celebrate the one who was raised so that we and those we love might experience new life. Thanks be to God for overcoming. And here we celebrate the good news. And this is important for this Sunday. The good news that we are not eternally separated from family and friends by death. We are not. That every tear is counted, every tear is collected, Every tear gathered and used 
by our loving God. Thanks be to God for overcoming. I think the Apostle Paul says it best in the 8th chapter of Romans when he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present, things to come, powers, heights, depths, or anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God for overcoming. Alleluia. And let all God's people say, Amen.